0: Cheese. Get on your feet. It's curd and law. Hosted by Sparky Fighter and Ryan Horvath. <laughs>
1: Here's our guy, Paul Brettel, joining us for Ryan Horvath, who is uh, in Las Vegas, uh, Radio Row, doing whatever they do out there for BetQL, doing a show out there weeknights. BetMGM Tonight, live from uh, Mandalay Bay Sportsbook. Check him out there. Uh, see Sparky right here. Follow me at Sparky Radio. Follow Paul at Paul underscore Brettel, B-R-E-T-L. Of course, he of Packers Wire, part of uh, the USA Today Network. Uh, Paul, thanks for coming on, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, I always appreciate you having me Sparky
0: and the the tone of this conversation with you is going to be different from last. I think last time we spoke was either after the Giants loss, after the Bucks losses during a really tough stretch where
1: we didn't know what the heck was going to happen. You know, that's the thing, too, when we talk about this uh, Packers team and the ups and downs of the season and everything that they've went through and how Matt LaFleur was able to kind of keep everybody together, uh, not let it come unglued on him. Jordan Love was able to keep it together and not come unglued on his wide receiving core or his young tight ends for doing things wrong. I mean, all of that just speaks volumes just to how, I don't want to say magical, but how special maybe the season was. Yeah, I think that's spot on. I I wrote
0: about actually both those topics over at Packers Wire towards the end of the season. And starting with Jordan Love, the topic was he was the right person, as in who he is day-to-day, how he operates as an individual, to lead this Packers team from start to finish. Like throughout OTA's training camp to the end of the season, you could just see, you could feel – his calm, cool demeanor. Like, I think I said this during training camp, like if you didn't watch the result of the play and you just were focused on Jordan Love, you didn't know what happened because good, bad, indifferent, he was the same person. And when that, you know, that type of presence is leading your team, there's a, and several players commented on this, Elton Jenkins, John Runyon, in particular, there's a, there's a calming presence that goes throughout the locker room and there's also the gestures that he did off of the field you know, with his teammates. You know, John Runyon talked about the Thursday dinners where the quarterbacks and the offensive line would get together every Thursday and go to different restaurants in the Green Bay area. I think Jordan Love said there was two occasions through the summer and in season where he had the entire offense over to his house. There's little things like that. And Jason Vrabel, the wide receivers coach, talked about how even after a mistake was made in practice in a game, the first person that – would have his arm around the receivers was Jordan Love saying, hey, keep your head up. I'm coming back to you next time. I'm going to need you moving forward. And all of those things on their own seem small, but when put together, add up over the course of the season, and when you're navigating the roller coaster ride that the Packers did, that stuff really, really matters. Players fight for uh, a leader who operates in that way. And When things were at their worst during the four game losing streak at the start of the season, during that losing streak in the middle to the Giants, Tampa Bay, and even the down performance defensively against Carolina, like there was no, there was no unwavering of that Packers locker room. They may not have known exactly when things were going to get figured out, but there was a belief that they were going to. And at the time, especially early on, you're wondering if that's just coach speak, if that's just player speak, but seeing how things turned out in the end, I truly believe that there was that confidence. And I think a lot of it starts with them looking at their quarterback in terms of who's leading them through all of this and who Jordan Love is as a person.
1: The other thing about this is going to be how long can he keep this up? Everybody, not everybody, there's a lot of people that are like this early then they become famous then they earn some awards they have some success and they change you know putting your arm around a wide receiver now in your first year as a starter and they're a rookie or second year player you know is that same thing going to happen next year when these guys have been through an entire season with Jordan Love and in his mind feels like they better know where the heck they're supposed to be going at this point you know is that type of patience and put my arm around you kid going to have that same type of deal in year two as a starter or year three as a starter or year four as a starter. Um, And when he loses his cool, how quickly can he get it back uh, is going to be the other thing. Yeah. And
0: I think, you know, there's, you know, there's always the, that aspect of it. And, you know, what I think Jordan love did in terms of this season is he laid the foundation in terms of building that rapport and that connection with those receivers, for example, because, that Jason Vrabel comment that I mentioned earlier, Vrabel also added that later on in the season, you know, Jordan Love would get after him too. It wasn't just, uh, you know, there to build their confidence. He started to get after him. And Jason Vrabel phrased that in a very positive way in terms of being a leader and letting them know, hey, you need to be here. So I think to a degree, that's already, you know, started. It's not just the building of confidence. It's as the season goes on they they start finding success there's a hey here's what the standards are here's what the expectations are but i think that becomes a lot more easier to digest if you're the tight end you're the receiver the running back whoever you are again when jordan love has laid that foundation that connection you know it's a lot easier to be hard on someone when you have a relationship with them, you have that connection with them and to get them to respond to that versus if none of that's just established and you come out of the gates kind of with that fiery spirit, you know, come out of the gates swinging in that regard. So I think that's something that has already to a degree started to unfold. And again, in a completely positive nature and talking, you know, at after the loss to the 49ers being in the locker room, make no bones about it. The expectation in there is this is a Super Bowl team in in 2024 so in terms of you know the success that they had this season especially towards the end I don't think that that's going to be you know something that they're hanging their hat on and that was even part of Matt LaFleur's message like you know to the to the team before they kind of broke here for the off season, is nothing's guaranteed and for all Packer fans out there they know that that's a hundred percent true look at that 2010 team I'm sure everyone thought that oh they'll be back at some point I do. That didn't happen. So the parting message was nothing's guaranteed. They need to attack the offseason. And Preston Smith coined the phrase, or at least I'm, I'm uh, saying that he did, uh, championship offseason. That's the mindset. That's the focus that they need to have, being very, very intentional of how they go about their business this offseason. And Lafleur said each player was given one to two things to work on with their from their position coaches. The expectation is when they get back together in mid-April for OTAs. They're able to check those
1: boxes so they can have something new to work on and continue to progress. Okay. Let's take it a step farther with Jordan Love. Aaron Rodgers, when he finally got to take over for Brett Favre after that whole fiasco, uh, him and McCarthy were guys, right? Hey, we're guys. We're on the same page, whatever. Over the course of time, however, Aaron Rodgers became, in his mind, smarter than the head coach, knew what he wanted to do more than the head coach, and kind of got away from McCarthy, and McCarthy couldn't control him at, at you know, a point or another. I get concerned that that very well could happen in this situation, too, as as Jordan Love gets to a little more comfortable, a little bit more confident in what he wants to do and how Heath wants things to run, uh, that maybe he gets away uh, from Matt LaFleur. And I think it's very critical for Matt LaFleur here in the next couple of years to continue to assert himself as head coach and play caller uh, and not allow this thing to spiral out of control like it did on McCarthy. Yeah, I mean,
0: obviously, we don't have a crystal ball, I think, in terms of how, again, we, I, I can only go off of what we've seen so far, and the relationship between love, between the floor seems to be extremely uh, collaborative, and obviously, even more so as the season went on when there was that confidence that Jordan Love could go out there and you know execute more on his own and didn't necessarily have to play within the parameters of what Lefleur had established. What I will say you know Lefleur the job that he did this coaching season, you know beyond the x's and o's beyond the development of love and the offense as a whole. The way that he was able to hold this group together, and really, I think the first glimpse we got about his leadership ability actually came in 2022. I look back at that Dallas game in week 10. I think the Packers were in the midst of a four-game losing streak. They were down two scores in the fourth quarter. Like, it could have been really easy to kind of be like, oh, this is it. They came back and won. Even a few weeks later in Chicago, I think they're again down 10 or so points in the fourth quarter, four and eight. You know, playoff hopes barely hanging on. Again, could have been really easy to fold at that point, but they didn't. And I understand we have an uber competitive quarterback like Aaron Rodgers that that obviously helps a more veteran team, that helps assist. But I think we saw that leadership ability that Lafleur possesses carry over into this season, fighting through that four games you know losing streak, the the difficult times uh, against Carolina, against the New York Giants, and being able to hold things together. And then you know, in Lafleur's own words, you know mentioning that some of the cracks had shown, you know, there was the Devondre Campbell tweet, Jair Alexander suspension, having to navigate Razul Douglas getting traded in season. Like there was a lot of things going on and he held this team together. So I think that speaks to Lafleur's leadership ability and the culture that he's helped establish, he's helped maintain uh, within that Packers organization. And that's going to be obviously a key part of this moving forward.
1: The other key part is keeping Tom Clements, which they've been able to do for one more year. They bring in Sean Mannion, journeyman quarterback, steps from the field into the coaching ranks to kind of uh, be the shadow of Tom Clements, I guess, and learn the position. One would think this is because Sean McVay probably told Matt LaFleur, hey, you may not be a great player, but I think he's gonna be a hell of a coach. You smart kid, whatever. I think that's how this played. Um, So maybe that's a thought process going, process going forward that maybe Mannion eventually takes over for Tom Clements. I just think it's imperative you have Clemens for one more year to help Love through that sophomore year. And then after that, hopefully Jordan is good and uh, away he goes. Yeah, obviously getting
0: Tom Clements back is huge. I mean, Matt LaFleur spoke to that on numerous occasions this season. Not saying, you know, it's not just Jordan Love who's better off with Tom Clements. It's Matt LaFleur. It's the entire offense from having his presence on on that team. And, you know, you mentioned Jordan Love navigating his second season as a starter. You know, defenses are going to have – they have a full season of film on Jordan Love on this Packers offense. And when Love can play at an elite level like he did for a long period of time, when you have so many pass catchers that can make plays – There's a lot of challenges that come with that, but there's still things the Packers put on tape that defenses are going to counter. Now, Jordan Love and Tom Clements are going to have to counter the counter here in this second season. But I think you're exactly right with Sean Mannion, someone that uh, the Packers, Matt LaFleur, can groom uh, to, who knows, potentially take over for Tom Clements whenever that day comes when he decides to call it quits. And is also reported on Thursday or on Wednesday, that uh, Miles White, uh, wide receivers coach for Miami of Ohio, is joining the Packers staff as assistant wide receiver coach. And I feel like similar to Mannion, they're trying to maybe prepare for what the future might hold. Because Jason Vrabel, the wide receivers coach, uh, the job that he did with this young group, uh, he's also the passing game coordinator for this offense. Like, I wouldn't be surprised whatsoever if he's getting offensive coordinator looks in 2025. So, Unknown around Vrabel's future with the team, again, because of potential openings uh, for offensive coordinator elsewhere in the future. Tom Clements, I believe, is 71, 72. So looks like Matt LaFleur grabbing some up-and-coming candidates to groom and at least have on staff if or when that time comes when they're without either of those current coaches. I have to bring this up
1: because I don't do a Badger podcast, but I just saw the Badger Extra. Don't know if you saw it. Luke Fickle saying that Mike Vrabel will be a part of this pro- Badger program some way, shape, or form. This year, uh, the former Tennessee Titans head coach, that is a huge, huge deal for this Badger football program to have Mike Vrabel somehow or another involved with that program. Yeah, I, I did not see
0: that. So that's news to me and exciting news. At apparently,
1: that. They, apparently, Vrabel and Fickle were college roommates uh, back in the okay. day at Ohio State or whatever. So they have a super tight relationship. Vrabel didn't get a job. Um, so apparently he's going to help fickle out at Wisconsin. They haven't said officially what the role is going to be or what, but he's going to be around according to fickle. That's a big deal.
0: Oh, a hundred percent. I think obviously there's the, the X's and O's aspect of it, but just the mentality, you know, and who Vrabel is and what he can bring to the Badgers team, the defensive side of the ball, a massive addition, regardless of what the capacity is.
1: Yeah, no matter what it is. As long as he has a voice and he's on mm-hmm. the practice field from time to time, helping these guys out, that's a big deal. Take a quick time, i come back. Uh Paul Burret has been working on talking about needs for this Packers team over there at the Packers wire. I want to talk about that, but I want to talk about it from this perspective. They're gonna might have they might have a little bit of free agent money to play with here, uh, kind of going into the offseason. Where should that free agent money be spent? Where it's the what position or positions would be the wisest to spend versus Filling that position with draft picks, possibly, with all these draft picks. Uh, we'll talk about that. Coming up next here, Curtin and Long podcast. Download on your Odyssey app, or if you download your favorite podcast app, check us out on the Odyssey Sports YouTube page, where we stream this bad boy each and every time for the most part. Unless I'm by myself. I don't like looking at myself, so I don't do it that week. But every other week, I have a co-host, so we do it. Check it out. Back after this, Curtin Long. Hey, it's the Sparky Fiber, 1250 AM The Fan. Make sure to check out the interviews I do throughout the course of the week. Lots of good ones. Ryan Wood, Pete Doherty. Uh, let's see who else have we had. Jim Polzine from the Wisconsin State Journal. That one will be going up or is up actually as of this morning. Just interviewed Tim Dillard, uh, former Brewers pitcher with Bally Sports Wisconsin. That one will be going up uh, later this afternoon, tomorrow morning. Uh, talk about the Brewers, Corbin Burns trade, all that fun stuff. So make sure to check out 1250amthefan.com or on your Odyssey app. He yeah, has Paul Brattle. Lots of great content over there at Packers Wire at Paul underscore Brattle. Of course, also uh, the uh, Packers insider, green and gold insider, whatever they call him over there at ESPN Lacrosse. My guy, John Papadopoulos, my guy. Uh, Paul, are you, are you having fun doing the Pop- Papadopoulos show?
0: Sports lead? Oh, 100 percent. I, I love I love John. I love joining him to talk Packers each week during the season and just very appreciative for for the opportunity that he's
1: provided me. Yeah, he's a good dude. I love John. Uh, OK, so let's talk a, a little bit about needs uh, for this Packers team. Uh, they have, I, in my opinion, several. Uh, but from the aspect of where are we going with free agent money versus where are we going to fill those needs with draft picks, Paul? So I think the two positions that jump
0: out to many are going to be in the secondary. There's the safety and the cornerback position. The safety position in general is just (laughs) barren right now in terms of depth and playmaking, but the cornerback position as well needs a boost. There was no Packers cornerback last season that finished in the top half of the NFL in forced incompletions. The Packers defense as a whole had just seven interceptions, the second lowest amount in football. Like they need more playmaking at that position and in part, Injuries, you know, you don't have Eric Stokes for most of the year. Jair Alexander missed time. Moving on from Joe Barry to Jeff Halfley, I think is going to just put these guys in a better position to make plays. As we all know, Joe Barry's defense, cover to shell, keep everything in front of you. Like players weren't all, the cornerbacks weren't often in position to make plays on the ball either. So, I think all that's going to help. But if you can add someone else, you know, a a top draft pick to that room who has some of those ball hawking skills, that's going to be really important. And specifically, what they need to find too is someone who can fill the slot. You know, Carrington Valentine, Eric Stokes, Jay Alexander, all primary boundary cornerback options. And then at safety, you know, if Halfley is going to play more of that cover one look, which he did a ton of at Boston College, you know, they're going to need two types of safeties. They're going to need that center field like player who can cover a ton of ground deep and they're also going to need someone who can play in the box again if Halfley's going to continue to use that cover one style heavily but what I think they're going to do with both those positions is that's going to be a draft pick reason I say that Halfley's background as a defensive backs coach that's where he cut his teeth in the NFL with Tampa Bay with Cleveland with San Francisco uh the new uh past game coordinator that the Packers just brought in, Derek Ansley. He was the the Chargers defensive coordinator in 2023. His background, obviously, defense, that they looked really good, didn't they? <laughs> His background is, uh, is uh, obviously with defensive backs, having coached under Nick Saban, having won a national title there. So I think the experience that they have specifically on this coaching staff and working with that position group, I wouldn't be surprised if instead of going to free agency. And that doesn't mean there might not be a, a Jonathan Owens like signing to provide, you know, just some depth, some veteran stability. But in terms of trying to find that impact player in the secondary, I feel like that's going to be through the draft. If they're going to add through free agency, I think you look at the front seven, that interior defensive line specifically it's based on reports. The Packers are transitioning from a three, four to a four, three. And just from a personnel standpoint, you need another TJ Slayton like presence, sweat in, out of Texas, baby. To <laughs> in, in in the middle of that antic. In in the middle of that defense, and they have a, you know the Kobe Wooden, Kobe Woodens, Carl Brooks, they have young talent, Devontae Wyatt in there, but there's a learning curve that comes with playing the interior defensive line, especially against the run. Like It's one thing to just go get the quarterback, pin your ears back. Playing the run, especially at the NFL level, there's a steep learning curve that can come with that. We've still seen that Devontae Wyatt's working through that. Some of the run game issues that the Packers experienced this year is because they were so young. So if you're looking for a more immediate presence who can fill a specific role, I think adding to the defensive front and free agency is something that'll be on the Packers radar. And I'm also going to put linebacker in there as well. Again, you go to a 4-3, you got to have three linebackers on the field. And Devondre Campbell, Battling injuries last season didn't look like his his old self. And even in the playoffs, like Isaiah McDuffie was lining up next to Quay Walker on early downs. If the Packers move on from Devondre Campbell, they save, I believe, $2.6 million in cap space this season. And if that plays out that way, they're left with Quay Walker, Isaiah McDuffie, and Christian Young, who was on and off the Packers' practice squad last year. Like that's their linebacker room. Again, you can address that position in the draft, but I think that's one if they have some flexibility in terms of spending. I think linebacker is uh, another potential position that could be free agency versus trying to target that position early on in the draft.
1: I think I disagree with some of what you said. Mm-hmm. I think if it was me, I'd go young on the defensive line. Like I said, the Tefondre Sweat guy from Texas, um, I do is just gigantic. He's like 400 pounds. He's fast. Uh, for his size or whatever else. I'd love to see him inside pushing three dudes backwards, like Gilbert Brown back in the day or whatever. That would be fun. Um, Safety. And I get the Owens thing. Like you need a veteran safety there. Um, If that's going to be their starter, fine. But you just look at like a Jesse Bates and not that there's a Jesse Bates out there. I haven't looked at free agency, but Jesse Bates. And when he was able to kind of change with that Falcons defense, with his presence, he had an unbelievable year uh, at safety. I think I'd rather have at least one dude that I know is a playmaker. That's a difference maker. And I don't know if Owens is that guy. I don't think so, but one of those dudes there, whether and Goody mentioned the fact that, Hey man, maybe we'll trade some of these picks for veterans. Maybe we'll, maybe we'll trade a pick uh, and get a veteran player. If you're going to do that, I would love to see you do that for a veteran safety and then let whoever you drafted the other safety position, you know, be that other safety next to him. However, I will emphasize, as I've been emphasizing, if this is going to be like it was under Ted Thompson, which is, here are the guys I drafted. Go plug them in. Good luck. uh, Versus, what defense do you want? Okay, we're going to run that. Fine. Okay, what type of players do you need? Okay, fine. And then we go draft guys that fit our defense. That's how this should be done. But if Goody is going to do it like Ted did it, which is just draft who he thinks is the best defensive player and then ask this dude to try and figure it out, it's not going to work regardless of who the coordinator is.
0: Yeah. And I think to your point, uh, the change in calculus is where this team's expectations are. And so if you can get one of those veteran impact players, you're you're obviously going to prefer that route over some of the growing pains that are going to come with relying on a rookie, even if you're spending an an early round pick on them. But uh, I also agree, or I think that to your point, Gudekins is going to go more towards, all right, there just feels like there's going to be more adaptability with Halfley and what he's doing. And the system that he brings is going to be molded to the players rather than here's the system and trying to fit players into it. And that was real where the real, I think, disconnect began because even going back to Matt LaFleur deciding to hire Joe Perry, like Matt LaFleur made it known, I want this type of defense in Green Bay. And then he went out and found the coordinator that he thought could deliver on that, could execute on that. And then the players were supposed to fit into that mold. And I still remember after that Lions game the, in week four where the Packers got blown out, You the know, floor said, we can't be so rigid. And so I think there's going to be a real shift in terms of how they go about uh, building out their defensive scheme, the fluidity of it from not even week to week, but I think within the game in terms of adjustments being made are going to be a really, really big priority. And I think the addition of Halfley Obviously, is going to play a, a key part in that. But even Gudekin's comments around him during his end of season press conference said, you know, when asked if personnel was all of a sudden going to be completely different because of Halfley, you know, he acknowledged that there's going to have to be some changes, but a lot of that still has to be worked out because they have to have those conversations based on, all right, here's who we have you know, what do we do best? What can we do best to help put these players that we have in positions to be successful? And so going into the draft, I think that's what the conversation is going to be around. How do we maximize the players or the prospects that we're looking at uh, within the system?
1: Somebody asked me on Twitter the other day about Quay Walker and this new defense. And the question pretty much was, do you think he plays inside or do you think he plays more outside, kind of like Wayne Simmons uh, back in the day? My answer was I think he plays more outside like Wayne Simmons and there's somebody else in the middle of the field with four guys in front of him. Uh how would you see it playing out? Yeah, I agree. I think that
0: Quay could fit into that uh weak side linebacker role where his athleticism, his his speed can just really be on display, you know, in that weak side role. You're there's going to be some more coverage responsibilities, but you're going to be allowed to operate more within within space. Um, and I think that just kind of lines up naturally with what he brings to the table from a skill set standpoint, as we look at, you know, try to do our best to glean what this halfly defense will look like in green Bay Quay Walker and the cornerbacks in general, I think are the, the players that are going to benefit the most w- the, for the reasons mentioned with Quay also with the cornerbacks uh, halfly, like I said, plays a lot of cover one. There's that oppor- that then means there's man coverage on the boundaries. He's shown a ton of pressure packages on third downs, in particular. As we all know, pressure benefits everyone, especially the cornerbacks. More opportunities for turnovers potentially. So I think the turn, or excuse me, the cornerbacks and Quay Walker are really going to benefit from his addition as the defensive coordinator. Uh, based on who they have currently uh, on their roster at the linebacker position, Isaiah McDuffie, who did play his final season at Boston College under Halfley, could be that middle linebacker role, kind of the quarterback of the defense. Um, and then again, trying to figure out where, where Devondre Campbell fits into that, if he's going to be a part of the team, I think is, it's going to be one of the things that the Packers have to figure out.
1: I figured it out. He's gone. I don't want him. Uh, we move forward. Uh, okay. So let's talk about uh, the offensive side of the ball because We focus pretty much on needs and so forth on the defensive side of the ball On the offensive side of the ball for most of the year. I said that they've got to figure out two tackles because I want Tom to go inside. Uh, then Goody talks uh, and pretty much says that's not happening. Pretty much. He played really well out there. I don't see why we would need to move him. We'll just leave him. Okay, fine. But you still need somebody with Bakhtiari um, at some point here is not going to be here. Whether it's this year, next year, whatever. At some point, they're moving on from David Bakhtiari. Rasheed Walker, you could say, okay, he got better. Long term, I don't know, man. I'm not there. Uh, If you have an opportunity to get a stud left tackle in the first round at 25, somebody falls I just think you have to do it, and I know safety is a position that everybody wants, including me. I just don't like taking safeties in the first round, just old school, I guess. Um, I'd rather wait to the second round. You have multiple second round picks. Take one, at, take one at 41 or whatever your first pick is in the second round. Take one there. Take uh, a big offensive tackle to help protect Jordan Love because that has to be the number one priority. has to be protect Jordan Love for the next 10 years. Um, And if you don't think Rasheed Walker can do it, and Adam Stenovich at the end of the year said, you know, I'm not committing to Rasheed Walker long term. There's still a lot of things he's got to work on. So if the, he's not committed to him as offensive coordinator, surely Gudenkins can't be committed to him either.
0: Yeah, I, I think you bring up a really good point there on Zach Tom. So as everyone is like looking at mock drafts, if you see an offensive tackle and they primarily played right tackle in college, I don't know that they're going to be on the Packers' radar in the first round. Again, Goody seemed pretty, not ruling it out by any means, but committed to Tom at right tackle. Understandably so. I mean, he was excellent out there and he went up against a gauntlet of, of, Pass rushers. I I had this numbers at one point. I think of the top 10 edge rushers and pressures a season, Zach Tom faced 10 or seven of them, excuse me. Like he Whew. faced some of the best of the best throughout the season and stood up really well. Um, Rashid Walker finished out the season strong. Uh, but like you said, Adam Stenovich said he's still got, uh, I think his term was a ways to go or, you know, the areas that he definitely has to improve upon. And how the Packers address tackle becomes you know, how confident are they in like a Luke Tenuta or a Caleb Jones? These are guys that they've had on the roster grooming for two seasons now and their confidence in them to the ability to one step in if injury happens or at a minimum compete with Rashid Walker because there's going to be competition. I mean, if anything, we were shown that this season, LeFleur, Adam Stenovich, Luke Butkus all spoke glowingly about the, the benefits of that in-season rotation at right tackle or at left left tackle and right guard and just the impact that they had of that had of elevating the play of the entire unit and we saw that that started in week nine against the Rams and not coincidentally that's when the offensive line play as a whole started to really turn around so Rashid Walker might go into training camp you know as the favorite to be the Packers starting left tackle but right now I fully expect there to be competition and with how deep this tackle class is That's going to be hard to to pass on if the right player is there at number 25 in the first round. And even looking at that interior offensive line, like that group has to be addressed as well. There's uh, Elton Jenkins, uh, Sean Ryan, Josh Myers, and Royce Newman. That's who they have for interior offensive linemen. Bye-bye, Royce Newman. No,
1: I'm done with him. They they can cut him move on from him, too. Don't need him. Sean Ryan, we haven't seen enough of running that he can be by. I know he was crying. He wants to stay here. Too bad. Um, at, at center, um, what's a kid's name? Jackson Powers or something like that. At the center, I think he plays at Oregon. Yep. Um, i hey man, I mean that's another guy. And again, not first round, but if in the second round you have an opportunity and he's there, I think that's an upgrade.
0: Yeah, I think that's absolutely on their radar. Like they're going to add a tackle. They are going to add probably multiple interior offensive linemen. Like we can we can sharpie that in. The question is when's it going to happen? And like I was saying, depending right. on how they view Jones, Tanuda, Walker impacts when tackles added, but they absolutely have to add to center. And what I will say about about Josh Myers because I know his play up and down, heavily scrutinized. But what the Packers, the organization, really likes about him is one the the leadership role, um, they said his his voice in the you know off the field in the film room and practice within that position group uh, really developed and grew as the season went on and he became a really key contributor in that aspect and also his ability pre snap like the Packers faced a ton of heavy blitz opponents and his ability to identify communicate get responsibilities along the offensive line so everyone's on the same page uh, they, you know, he did really well in that regard. So I just wanted to provide some of that context as well, because I know that stuff can be missed and obviously how you perform is ultimately what matters, but those are two key elements where he did well that the Packers coaching staff does really like about him. And that's, again, that's not me saying he shouldn't have competition this summer, but just to provide that, that, that added context around, you know, where he stands at center.
1: You know, I, I, uh, Talking about competition, and that brings me to the field goal kicker position. I was livid last year. You Go know, back and listen to Curtin Long podcast from July that they brought in no competition for that kid. Carlson, none, not not a single kicker was brought in. It was the only position on the roster that did not have competition. The only one. And then Matt LaFleur says, Well, yeah, you know, we're gonna, we're gonna have to, or Goody Koons, one of them said something about oh, yeah, well, we're gonna have to bring competition and we want competition to every position. You're lying. You had no competition for him all last season. He came in as a rookie, and because Basaccia said, Oh, yeah, he's my guy, we're good, don't need anybody. Listen to me, trust me. So they did. And again, he was a typical kind of rookie, missing kicks, missing extra points, everything else. And I know what his brother was like, and his brother eventually figured it out. And fine, I get that. Um, and trusting Basacci to a degree works too, but even Basacci himself, I don't think necessarily had the best of years as a special teams coach. Uh, So I I have questions in special teams in general at this point.
0: Yeah, I mean... You would hope, or you would think anyways, like on the offense, like on the defense, year two under a coach or under a coordinator, you're going to see a jump. There's the familiarity with the system, um, the the coordinator with the opportunity to dive deeper into what they want to implement because there's an established layer of here's what we do. But Packers went backwards. and miss field goals miss extra points were part of that leading the league in penalties also a major issue for them so it flew on i felt like it flew under the radar to a degree again just because of the ups and downs that are being navigated on the other other phases right. of the game but the special teams play was disappointing and i mean from the get go the packers told us their intentions with anders carlson that they knew it was going to be some ups and downs but they were committed to him and man were they ever the the issue with it lies though is being told You know, he needs time to develop. Rookie kickers are going to go through these ups and downs. Like when it's July and August and you have no clue what to expect with this Packers team, like you can live with that because who knows what this season's supposed to be. But when the playoffs become a thing, when you're in the playoffs and you're still taking that approach, that grace that they provided Carlson ultimately burned them in San Francisco. And again, there's a million reasons why they ended up losing that game, but he missed a field goal or an extra point in 10 of his final 12 games. There's only three games since week five that he didn't have a miss, whether it's an extra point or a field goal, like that grace that he's been extended and he was given the opportunity to work through like that's gone going into 2024. Again, because of the expectations, they signed Jack Podlesny, the former uh, Georgia kicker to provide some competition. He was not on an NFL roster this past season. So we'll see see kind of what that ends up turning into how that works out for him but yeah there is there's no more no more grace left for Anders Carlson he has to figure it out
1: this summer is Paul Bridal follow him on Twitter at Paul underscore Bridal check him out at Packers wire anything you'd like to promote on the way out Mr. Paul I appreciate it, Sparky.
0: Uh, over at Packers Wire. So the Packers have 12 unrestricted free agents. I'm going through re-sign, let go, and a prediction. So why the Packers would keep them, why they'd let them walk, and then I make my final
1: prediction. First one up on Wednesday was on running back AJ Dillon. Toodles to AJ Dillon. Uh and I didn't even I, I didn't even looked at it, but i it'd be toodles for me. Uh follow him at Paul underscore Bradley. Follow me at Sparky Radio. Thanks to Paul for coming on. Enjoy the rest of your day. Have a good one.